Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Moses is burnt out. He has been leading these people on his own for a while now. And like most groups of people, they are messy. They're sick of being vegetarians. They all have ideas on how they could run the community better. They're tired of wandering in the desert. They keep asking to speak to Moses' manager. And Moses is done. So Moses goes to God and basically says, send help or kill me now. Because I am done doing all of this on my own. And the Lord said to Moses, gather for me 70 of all the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them. Bring them to the tent of meeting and have them take their place with you. I will come down and speak with you there. And I will take some of the spirit that is on you and put it on them. And they shall bear the burden of the people along with you so that you will not bear it all by yourself. And this is where we find Moses and the Israelites this morning. Moses has gathered the 70 elders and they are all around the tent. The tent outside the camp that contains the Holy of Holies. And God, as he does, fulfills his end of the bargain. God takes some of the spirit from Moses and distributes it to those 70. And they begin to prophesy. But then, two men who were outside the tent, two men who were all the way back in the camp, also receive the spirit. And they start prophesying in the camp. And a young man runs from the camp to the tent, and tattles on those two men. The men who weren't in the tent. The men who weren't supposed to be ordained. It isn't that just like us Christians. Since the coming of Christ, we Christians have been trying to decide who's in and who's out. Before Jesus, it was just the Jews who were the chosen people of God. Then Jesus comes. And he lets those Samaritans in, too. Then Paul comes, and the Gentiles get brought in. Then the Romans pick Christianity up, and somewhere along the way, the Jews become the enemy. Women are demoted from deacons and church leaders to just parishioners. Male priests suddenly must be celibate to keep them from passing church property on to their children. Okay, well, some priests can marry, but bishops definitely can't, until they can. Women can't teach or preach. Well, now they can teach the children and maybe the other women, but that's it. Black people can have their own churches, but they certainly can't join the white people's churches. Okay, well, now they can join, but they can't share the cup at communion. Gays can't be members, much less priests, and on and on and on the story goes. Whole church movements continue to break away from each other around the question of who's in and who's out. And we see from numbers today that this is not new. Man will always seek to draw lines in the sand about who's us and who's them. 
And while many of us weren't around for discriminating against races, genders, marital statuses, etc., we likely have judged others for smaller slights. One of my first Sundays at a parish, I was literally yelled at for wearing black heels on the altar. I have heard comments about those who bring their coffee with them into the pews or who bring goldfish or puffs for their toddlers to snack on during the sermon. We've all been told what is appropriate to wear to church and received glares from those who didn't think what we were wearing was appropriate. Once I had a friend travel to a church for the first time one Sunday morning with her young son. She had several ladies next to her tell her how inappropriate it was for her to have her son sitting in the pew with her during the service. There's a nursery for a reason, hissed one of the ladies. She was then introduced at the announcements as the new associate rector. (laughs) The ladies did not say anything the rest of the service. These are the lines we draw in the sand about who is fit to be in the tent, who adds value to the community, who is worthy to receive the Spirit. But God doesn't care about our lines. When the young man tattles on Eldad and Medad to Joshua, when Joshua tells Moses, thinking Moses will put a stop to this nonsense, Moses simply replies, Are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets. And that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Moses' authority, Moses' call, is not threatened by the calling of others. Others who he did not recognize as having a call from God. The Holy Spirit is not some pie. A bigger slice for some does not take away from our slices. Instead, the Holy Spirit is infinite. God is infinite. And he is generous overly generous. Moses knows this. It turns out that we can't put God in a box, that we can't gatekeep others from the Holy Spirit. God will do what he wants, and it is not up to us to keep people from God. Notice that Moses didn't just tolerate God's pouring out of spirit upon these two other men. He welcomed it. He hoped that more people would have the Spirit poured out upon them, that they too would prophesy. Moses understands the vastness of God. We can continue drawing lines in the sand, but I guarantee we will always find Jesus on the other side of our lines. Priests get a little apprehensive when a bishop visits. We always want to show off a big crowd, a beautiful campus, a nice reception. We want the bishop to see how successful we've been at the church we're responsible for. But last week, I was so touched while giving communion to each and every one of you. Not because we had a good turnout, a nice campus, and a lovely reception, but because around this communion rail, We had babies, children, teenagers, young adults, middle-aged folks, and seniors. Around this communion rail, we had folks of several different races and ethnicities. Around this communion rail, we had Republicans, Democrats, 
and independence. Around this communion rail, we had rich and poor, male and female, tall and short, every type of person you could have thought of. And all of us were one body, sharing one bread and one cup. It was a little glimpse of the kingdom realized. And that's how it should be. In God's kingdom, no one is outside the tent. All are worthy of his love. God's grace is more than we could ever imagine. And he is overly generous when pouring it out. Every now and then, we need to pause and ask ourselves in our own lives, in our own church, who have we declared unworthy? Who have we tried to keep from God? Who have we merely tolerated and not embraced? Where have we drawn our lines in this world? And what if we, the image bearers of God, started acting more like him? If we are made in the image of God, we can reflect his presence on others we encounter. And we may be the only glimpse they see of God in this world. We can strive to be loving, to be grace-filled, to be radically inclusive. God will continue to be overly generous with his grace. The question is, will you? Amen.